0: Welcome to the State of Research Podcast, brought to you by the Office of the Vice President for Research and KCSU, narrated and produced by me, Christian Ria, OVPR's Digital Specialist. OVPR's State of Research Podcast was created to showcase our campus as one of the premier research institutions amongst American universities. Our office works to encourage and support the development, marketing, and application of CSU's intellectual property and our world-renowned researchers, students, and facilities. With this podcast, we hope to deconstruct the rationale that research is more than an analytical approach toward discovering new and enlightening answers to the complex and direct questions we ask ourselves. But it is also a journey filled with unique stories, individualized inspirations, and perseverance to solve global challenges. In our broadcast, we hope to create purposeful stories about innovation, inspiration, research, and the determination needed to propel our state of being toward the future. On this episode, I sit down with the director of the Community Literacy Center, Toby Jacoby, and one of the center's interns, Bree Jones, to discuss the CLC's mission to create alternative literacy opportunities that work to educate and empower underserved populations. With some background on the CLC and their Speak Out program, we will then discuss Toby and Bree's roles and some of the heartfelt moments they've experienced while orchestrating their literary workshops. Before jumping into this week's episode, I want to start off with a clip from the Speak Out Writing Workshop, which the CLC sponsors and organizes. In this workshop, writers are given the opportunity to respond to prompts on issues central to their lives, including confinement, freedom, family, pain, anger, beauty, love, life, place, and home. In this clip, you will hear the voices of two women reading aloud a collaborative piece they worked on to unify their voices and express the reasons why they write. Here is, I write.
1: I write to find my focus. I write to set me free. I write because I love you. Loving you allows the loving of me. I write because it helps me understand. I write to avoid pain. I write with my raw feelings. I write to feel connected. I write, then I understand you. I write when the sun warms my face. I write from the pen of my inner goddess. I write fearlessly in my truth. I write to make memories. I write to smile through tragedy. I write to conquer Mount Everest. I write because I'm victorious. I write to please my angels. I write to quiet my demons. I write to make you wonder. I write it gives me comfort. I write with no reservations. I write because I'm This line on this paper, only I make the rules. I write to connect our speak out circle.
0: By listening to this piece, I hope that you consider what topics may unfold during this episode. Here is the director of the Community Literacy Center, Toby Jacoby, explaining why she is here on our podcast to share her insights on the work she does through the CLC and the speak out program.
2: This piece by Brandy Sue echoes what many Speak Out writers feel and say about their work. They join our program to speak out, to listen, to get out of their cells. I'm here because I want you to know incarcerated women. The women who sit next to me every Wednesday in a writing workshop held at a county jail. The invisible women who strain to project their voices through bars, across miles, over concertina wire to catch your attention. I'm here because I want you to know women who aren't just playing Prisoners on Netflix because for over 200,000 women in the United States, orange is not the new black. For writers like Brandy Sue and Sissy Paycheck who read with her, orange is orange, a color they never again want to grace their shoulders and hips. Wow.
0: Thank you for sharing that with me. That was a very impactful piece and I really appreciate you, you know, kind of giving us some perspective on the women and the individuals that you work with through the CLC and the Speak Out program. Um, Bree, could you go in depth a little bit more about the Speak Out program and what it is?
3: Yeah. So the Speak Out program is a community literacy program that is sponsored by CSU's Community Literacy Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made up of seven workshops. Those are men and women and youth, um, men and women who are incarcerated okay. um, in Larimer County Jail and in Community Corrections and youth that are in residential living facilities in town. Okay. So those are facilitated by CSU students and community members that volunteer their time. Those are meant to allow creative expression, create a space where um, writing is encouraged, and allow for a space where writers can make connections.
0: This sounds like a great opportunity to bring individuals together under these circumstances, obviously, and provide a space where their individualized voices can be heard and expressed. Um, Brie, can you expand on the process of the writing workshops the Speak Out program facilitates with these individuals?
3: Over the course of 12 weeks, uh, the writers are drafting and revising and sharing their work with each other. They then select pieces that will be put in a biannual journal that we circulate at no charge. Um, also, at the end of the semesters, each group has a celebratory Speak Out reading that gives the writers a chance to read their work to wider a wider group. So community members are allowed to come in and... Uh, they write and read together.
0: Thank you, Brie, for sharing some insights on the Speak Out program and what your what it kind of is about. Um, could you get into more detail about your specific role as an intern and a volunteer, and how you kind of orchestrate and organize the workshops?
3: Yeah, so I have been a volunteer with the program about three years now. Um, I have volunteered and as well as interned. Um, so I've done the men's workshops in the jail the men's workshops and the community corrections and as well as the youth groups as far as the workshops are organized and structured. Um, every group is a little bit different, mm-hmm. but usually the volunteers, volunteers and interns work together to create a workshop plan or do one every other week or however they want to do it. Um, they create uh, writing prompts with themes usually, okay. um, and create workshop plans. Um, we call them workshop plans because we don't want them to sound like lesson plans. Many of the people who we are writing with have had negative experiences in traditional school settings. Yeah, sure. So we really work hard um, in order to not create that type of setting to create more of a collaborative and like n- open space and open everything. Space, yeah. Exactly. Non-hierarchical. We're not mm-hmm. teachers. We're not there to, to lecture them, but mm-hmm. more so to write with them. Um, so we really work hard at trying to, create a non-hierarchical structure. And really, we're just there as writers writing with them.
0: Yeah. And I think that helps support them, you know, within the situation that they're in to feel comfortable about writing about their story, you know, and giving them that space again. Um Could you give me a sample lesson plan that you have, like one of your favorites that you've worked on? Toby, you can jump in and talk about your favorite as well.
2: Yeah. I'd really love to paint a picture of what it feels like to be in one of our workshops. When we First enter into the jail, we go through the stereotypical, what everyone might be imagining, a series of steel doors, steel-clanging doors. We spend about 15 minutes gathering up the writers Mm -hmm. from their housing units and checking them out, and then we walk into what feels like a very familiar space, uh, a space that looks like a classroom, Uh, cinderblock walls, big tables, um, chairs that we sit around and configure into either a circle or a square. Uh, with table space in front of us. One difference is that we are a bit limited in the materials we can use.
0: I'm sure. So, I'm sure there's some regulations and some standards that you have to follow.
2: Right. There's no laptops. There's no <laughs> no phones. Uh, there aren't even pens. Um, we're limited to lined paper and uh, what folks might be familiar with as uh, miniature golf pencils. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, so we write <laughs> with little four-inch pencils. and Um, A typical workshop is about 90 minutes in length, maybe 75 by the time we all get into the room. Mm -hmm. And one of my very favorite days has to do with uh, the deconstruction of a book. So I'll give you an example from a couple of years ago. We took in a very tattered copy of To Kill a Mockingbird, and a lot of the writers recognized the text and we started by passing it around and tearing it apart, which is something that's kind of hard to do if you're a book lover. Yeah. Um, but we, every writer took a page, and we structured the entire session around, around deconstructing this um, book. Mm-hmm. We started with an activity that involved underlining a line choose a random line, underline it, and then that serves as your first writing prompt. That's the the first line of a story you might write. We'd write for a few minutes. Um, we'd break. This is really just to get ourselves going. Yeah, yeah. Kind of do a, a quick free write session. Uh, the next thing we did with that piece of paper was to pass it to the left, and we asked every um, person to circle three words on the page and then hand it back to the the original owner. Those three words became the next prompt that we gave. So um, those words had to be used in a poem or a short essay or a free write. We pulled a third prompt out of this. A piece of paper uh, by handing everyone a black marker and we did blackout poetry that took about 45 minutes we ended the session by teaching everyone how to make an origami box out of their their page so to kill a mockingbird traveled a long way yeah in our yeah. workshop that
0: utilize every asset
2: <laughs> we did
0: now that we have a good idea of your guys' workshops look like and how you guys organize them, Brie, could you kind of describe some of the interactions you've had with the individuals that you've worked with in these workshops?
3: Yeah, definitely. So I think when people hear me say that I'm going to go sit in a room with 15 men and write, <laughs> yeah. uh, 15 men who are incarcerated, I think people often think that I should be scared or that it's unsafe. Yeah. Um, and I've honestly never felt that way. I've never felt unsafe sitting in the workshop space in fact, I felt very respected, very appreciated. That's nice. And yeah, it's a, it's a great space to be in. I actually really enjoy it.
2: We've really had writers from all walks of life. We've had folks who have PhDs in astrophysics. Oh, we've wow.
0: We've
2: uh, women who are business owners. We've had folks who are parents An and, and grandparents. Um, we've had folks who are Spanish speakers who really mm-hmm. rely on the person sitting next to them to help translate. mm mm-hmm.
3: Many of these people aren't wouldn't consider themselves experienced writers. In fact, um I often get people and I once had a guy who came in looking for Bible study. He <laughs> he didn't know that he was walking into a writing workshop, but they he ended up staying with us for over one semester. He was with us for about one and a half semesters until he actually got out. So we often have people who who don't come expecting to yeah. write but end up loving
0: it. Yeah, what a chance that. You know, he kind of walked into this workshop and was like you know what? Actually, this is pretty important to me. Mm-hmm. So, Brie, as an intern, I'm sure you have other obligations, you know, outside of your role at Speak Out. Could you talk more about sort of what you're studying and also sort of your reflection on this whole Speak Out um, process?
3: Yeah. So, I'm a senior at CSU. I'm studying social work and criminal justice. Okay. Um, and basically, what I've gotten from this is um, maybe the most significant thing that I've learned is that I have the ability and and people in general have the ability to create spaces yeah. where that are much different than our day-to-day lives. Yeah. Um so what I mean by that is I feel like just by going in and starting a speak out workshop, um I and the other volunteers have the ability to create a basically a safe space for men uh in specific to the ones that I've done for men mm-hmm. to um kind of have the whole idea of masculinity and yeah. that they need to be strong and not have emotions that can kind of go away. Um, which I think has been the most powerful thing for me. Um, so basically we're creating a space where the men can show their emotions, can talk about difficult things that they've been through. And I've often had men cry in yeah. workshops just from, you know, we're not giving prompts that are super digging deep, but yeah, but it, it yeah. comes out. Um, so I think that's, that's me. Ma- the main thing that I've learned is that that can, those spaces can be created.
0: Yeah. This would be challenging for me, you know, to kind of put myself in this vulnerable place with these individuals. It must take a lot of, you know, mental strength and stability. How do you think writing with these men has shifted your perspective on incarcerated individuals?
3: I think just hearing their stories, um, has given me a lot of insight into and made me realize that. These are just people. Yeah. Um, they've made bad decisions in the past, but they're more than that. This has also given me more of an understanding, looking at the bigger picture of how and why people end up incarcerated. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of trauma in the writers, and they often have generational issues with mental illness and drug and alcohol abuse, and this is often uh, at least part of what they've been incarcerated for.
0: Yeah. I feel like you've, you know, witnessed the cycle of that for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Bree, for sharing some of your insights on the Speak Out program, as well as your sort of reflection on your experience with it. Um, Toby, could you give me some more insight on the CLC and how this program kind of has integrated into it and what comes out of the CLC?
2: I'm happy to. Great. When I first came to CSU 15 years ago on my campus visit, they took me to a North Fort Collins uh, trailer Park, where there was a literacy center, a community literacy center. That experience really sparked my interest in trying to live our land grant mission by trying to work with community members to figure out how, particularly the English department, could contribute to literacy efforts in our community. So a couple years later, um, I landed. I landed here at CSU, and a couple years later, the CLC was born, and we have two mission, two, a twofold mission. Uh, The first is to create alternative literacy opportunities that work to educate and empower underserved populations. Now, that feels like a lot of jargon (laughs) in there. And so what it means is that we want to work with people who aren't uh, necessarily in the limelight. And what we found was that there are lots of programs for conventional um, school-age children. And so we looked elsewhere. We looked to adults and to underserved teens to try to figure out how we might make a contribution.
0: Yeah.
2: The second part of our our mission is to support university opportunities for students to engage in outreach and research that promotes community action and social change. Our vision is to make space for literacy to change the world, and we do this through workshops like the Speak Out workshop and other direct engagement with training for CSU students and opportunities for them to engage in everything from class projects to honors theses, We also really believe that public engagement is vital to the kind of role that we think literacy activism can play and education about the complex lives that incarcerated people live. Now, the exigence for this um, is all around us. The United States imprisons more than 2.3 million people, more than any other nation in the world. And the forecast for Colorado was printed uh, just recently in January 2018 Mm -hmm. uh, with a statistic that is um, sobering. That by 2024, we expect to increase numbers of incarcerated men by 37% and of incarcerated women by 48.7%.
0: That's a large number.
2: Part of the intervention we want to make into these um, projected numbers is through the publication of our Speak Out journal. The journal is published twice a year and includes writing from all seven of our sites. That writing looks like poetry, it looks like short stories, flash fiction, uh, free writes, lists, and would not necessarily speak incarceration or jail, if you picked it up um, at a coffee shop. And that's exactly where we hope you might pick it up, at a public library, at a coffee shop, um, sitting on a table in a doctor's office. We print about 500 copies of each issue of the journal. Okay. And we try to distribute them as widely as we can. They have traveled all over Larimer County, all over Colorado, and even far out into the world. We have had some... Travel to Korea, to India, to um, Scotland, and the UK in the last few years.
0: What would you like these uh, journals to do as they travel around the world? Like, what sort of impact are you trying to
2: to get from these journals? We really want to complicate the notion of what it means to be incarcerated, mm-hmm. to be a prisoner, and to make space for people to answer that question themselves. So that we don't confine people to shackles and the color orange or stripes, um, but rather give them a chance to make visible the complexity of their lives. Prisons are often located on the edges of our towns or in rural areas um, of the United States. And publishing the Speak Out Journal is a way for us to bring the issue of incarceration, of mass incarceration in the United States forward.
0: I think that's a great move and initiative that you guys are taking at the CLC and with, through the Speak Out program to kind of, you know, bring to light this this issue that, you know, people don't really talk about. And it's, it's an issue that we should all, you know, have some perspective on.
2: Listeners might, might be wondering how the Speak Out program and the publication are received by the people who experience it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to share a couple of reflections from our volunteers and from a couple of the writers that'd be great one volunteer reflects sometimes i get a poem turned in that is very short has minimal vocabulary and style but is about someone's love for their daughter as a white middle class college student the editor in me wants to wants the writer to focus on style and form and create something that flows but for the woman who wrote it the content is what's important they just want to get across how much they love their daughter Another volunteer says, Sometimes I wonder who the workshop is really for, and then I'm reminded of how thankful I am that I'm just a facilitator, a role that I think is more equal than teacher or instructor, and I don't feel guilty about needing this workshop just as much as the confined writers need it. The writers also have a chance to weigh in through our program evaluations. One writer said, The only reason I now consider myself a writer is because of Speak Out. It's the only constant thing in my life that has been positive. It's opened doors in many avenues of my life, as well as encouraged so many other people to create and find a glimmer of hope in hard times. Another one says it very simply. She writes, the workshop is the best part of my week.
0: Well, thank you, Toby, for sharing um, those reflections that, you know, your volunteers and some of the interns have given about the Speak Out program and, you know, collaborating with these um, participants and the writers in the workshops. Um, transitioning into segment two, this is where we'll discuss some of the personal stories behind the Speak Out program and what Bree and Toby have kind of experienced with these inmates. Um, Bree, could you go into your story and give us a little insight on sort of what experiences you've encountered?
3: Yeah. So the most meaningful experience that I think I've probably had in the workshops is that is one that happened when I was in the jail, um, working with the men. So, one of the writers and I had become kind of buddies. He would come sit next to me and, and call. he called me Buddy. Hey, Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I got the chance to tell him when his piece of art made it onto the cover of one of the Speak Out publications. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. I'm sure he um, was very happy about that.
3: Yeah. So, he actually told – he kind of kind of got welled up tears in his eyes mm. and said, Bree, this is the best thing that's happened to me in 15 years since I started doing wow. drugs. And um, that was – that was pretty impactful for Impactful for, me. for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. What about you, Toki?
3: This experience really brought to my attention how important this workshop is for these people. Um, I've heard it often that it's important to them, but I didn't realize how important it can be to some of them. We?
2: I really want to tell you about one writer that I had a chance to work with um, as she cycled in and out of jail over mm-hmm. a couple of years, her name was Samsara, and I had a chance to both interview her for a, a project that collected writing histories from a bunch of the women uh, when I was doing a study with, with gender and women mm-hmm. in, in prison. Samsara said, everyone tells me I can be a writer, write books, but I don't see that in myself. And that, that was a kind of theme that she came back to again and again, even though she was one of the most prolific writers that Mm -hmm. we had a chance to work with. She wrote a piece um, called Welcome to Your Life, and I'd like to just read a couple of lines from it. Welcome to your life, counseling watch, medical watch, guards yelling, doors slamming, now you want out, endless card games, spades master now, med rounds, shakedowns, hand-me-down panties, forest green shower curtains. I hope they can only see my feet. So it's part of a poem that's about six stanzas long. And samsara really makes me think about what we want to be visible in our justice system uh, as we think about literacy, as we think about whose stories matter. Um, She also said this later in her interview. I've had people say, you need to write when you're happy but I don't feel like writing when I'm happy. My therapist would tell me, you need to write when you're happy because then they can see the difference. But I can see the difference. I don't write when I'm happy. What am I going to say? Oh, my world is sunshine and rainbows? No. And what I love about this is it really points out the kind of role that writing plays for a lot of people who are incarcerated, that they use it as an outlet, they use it as a communication tool. um, They use it for lots of reasons that are are pretty deeply connected, not just to literacy and education, but also to their sense of gender identity, ethnic identity, racial identity, community connection, and basic human connection to Mm -hmm. those in the world that they will inevitably encounter when they leave jail. Another experience that sticks with me started with a very simple prompt. We put an empty bowl in the middle of the table and asked the writers what they would fill it with. Writers said things like, my grandmother's pozole, knowledge, love letters to my daughter. And this is the metaphor we want to live, with what will we fill our bowls? So the Community Literacy Center and Speak Out as a program has grown over the years since 2005 from three students and myself pulling dusty furniture into a vacated office in the Eddy building to a team of directors, six to seven interns, and over 20 volunteers annually. As we think about the future, we're committed to working with writers and helping to make space for them in both our collective minds and hands.
0: To conclude this week's episode, I would like to leave you with this collaborative song that the CLC and the Speak Out program created to unify the voices of the writers they have influenced over the years. Here is These Hands. These Hands will love you.
1: These Hands will love you. These them. Hands have new lifelines life lines that, that will pair. Lifelines that will care. These hands, these hands have wiped away my tears. These hands have done many good things. These hands have, these hands have caught my, my, tears my tears when I these cried. Hands these hands will welcome Jesus into my life. Hands these, my hands life. The these hands have the power to heal others. These hands have put needles in my body. These hands have, <clears> put these
2: hands have comforted a crying these child.
1: These hands have punched through walls.
2: These hands have held tightly to the edge of the boat.
3: These hands, have been held to the sky. these hands have been held to the sky. My hands will create will
2: commute. These hands have reached for love. These hands have, reached these hands for have punched rising hands down. down. These hands will hold, hold you. These
1: hands will Whether hold it be you. right or left, palms have, right have the lines for left. These hands drugs. have helped destroy my life with drugs. These hands <laughs> have done things I'm not so proud of. These hands have helped me deal. These hands have helped me deal. These hands have been through pain. These hands have been through pain. These hands have, These hands have comforted my children. These hands have comforted my children. hands
0: have Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We look forward to exploring and sharing new research stories with you every other week. For more information and how you can volunteer with the Community Literacy Center, please visit... Speakoutclc.wordpress.com. Special thanks to KCSU for giving us this platform to tell these stories, Toby and Bree for being on the show and sharing their enlightening experiences with the CLC and the Speakout program, and all of you listeners for tuning in with us this week. Until next time, ciao.